Amen. So, so uh, today, as Pastor already said, we are in the last installment of our series, Building Legacy. This whole month, we'll be talking about leaving the legacy. What le the whole purpose is to make us think what legacy we want to leave behind. What do we want to be remembered by? And Pastor, in the first three parts, he already talked about leaving the legacy of integrity, in a legacy of forgiveness, legacy of love. And today we'll be talking about leaving the legacy of godliness. And uh, uh, this whole uh, subject is pretty, uh, can sound intimidating and scary, and there's a lot of misunderstandings related to it. And it's, uh, uh, you barely ever, uh, I don't know when was the last time I heard a sermon on godliness in today's modern church. It's a somewhat forgotten virtue that is being avoided and uh, kind of shoved the, under the carpet. But we are going to re resurrect it, if you will, and, and discuss, discuss what, it, what it is and what it's not, and how to attain it. So, uh, so a building legacy, we all, we have, first of all, we have to realize that all legacy like nothing in this world doesn't happen by accident. No building has ever just popped out of the ground. It needed to be built. built. It needed to be built. There was a builder behind every building that had a, a very specific vision, very specific blueprints for that building that he followed while he built until that building was completed. We all understand that, right? It's simple, logical. But the same principle we need to apply to our legacy. In, we, we have to realize that e either we understand it or not, either we work at it or not, we all will be leaving some sort of legacy. What sort is up to us to decide while well, we still have time? You know, so we need to think about those things and build with a vision and blueprints for what, vision, what legacy we want to leave and work at it, build while we consciously build it until it's complete, until we see the product of, that we are trying to reach. Amen. So it's kind of, kind of, that's the whole purpose of this series, to make us think about what legacy we want to, want to, uh, want to leave and not just make it as a wish, but make it as a vision, as a plan and start working at it on a consistent daily basis on, throughout our whole lifetime. Amen. So, so that's the whole purpose of this legacy, uh, legacy uh, series. But uh, I don't know about you, but the whole term uh, uh, is kind of scary and intimidating, at least to me. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, so when Pastor <laughs> when Pastor approached me about participating in this particular series, I, I tell you honestly, it caught me off guard. Because I personally, I don't know about you, but I personally don't really ever thought of my life in those big terms as living legacy. Like most people today, I get caught up in day-to-day -day affairs and activities and fail to look at my life, at the bigger picture of my life. To look at my life from the, in the light of eternity, if you will. But we, we all need to do that. So, and as soon as I, as soon as I started thinking about, on the subject, it didn't take long. Immediately, actually, immediately, as soon as I took some time to think on the subject, uh, I was immediately reminded of my grandfather. On my dad's side, my dad's father. And he... Uh, uh, he he left to uh, I believe until 19 year, 99 years of age, but he died uh, while I was still very little. So it, unfortunately, I didn't get to know much uh, of him as a person. But one thing I cannot tell you much about him, but one thing that got ingrained strongly ingrained in my memory. Uh, he lived he lived uh, 
he lived alone in the in the small, small farm that he owned in the countryside. And every time, or most of most of the time, let's to be accurate, most of the time when we, my parents and I, went to visit him, we would find him in his prayer nook, on his knees, praying. Sometimes, or occasionally, we would find him doing other things, walking his property, taking, tending to his uh, orchard garden or whatever. But more often than not, we would find him in prayer. And that made a deep impression in my memory. As a little, even as a little girl, long before I came to know Christ personally. So I don't know much, I cannot tell you much of anything else about my grandfather, but I can tell you with great assurance that he was a godly man. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the highest compliment you can tell to the Christian man or woman. He was a godly person. So, so, so when I was, I was thinking about that, I realized that's, that's the legacy I want to leave. The legacy of godliness. I really don't care if people will remember anything else about me, but as long as they guess she Diva was a godly woman. My mission is accomplished. Um, my, my legacy, that's, that's the legacy I want. Amen. So that's, that's why I want to talk on this subject. And uh, honestly, I don't claim, I, I, I'm no expert on godliness by no means. I'm not claiming to be one. I'm still growing like all of us. So I'm no expert. I don't claim to know everything on, on the subject. So, but, but I just want to invite you on a, to come along on a journey with me as we study the subject together. Okay, can we do that? Are you with me? Amen? Excellent. All right, so, so and we may, we may uh, this subject is very broad and very deep, and we probably were going just to scrape a surface. Uh, today, but but I hope that by the end of this message you'll be inspired. You'll get a, a little bit clear understanding of God, of what godliness is, what it is not, and be motivated, inspired to research and study it on your own and to pursue it in your daily walk with Christ. Amen. So let's get us let's get started. All right. So first of all, I like. I like, uh, I like to look at the definition of what godliness is. And uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, if you, uh, I did some research and looked at different various definitions. And the interesting thing was to notice how the definition changed over time. Unfortunately, if you look at the uh, uh, modern day definitions, they, they lost the biblical the biblical biblical meaning of godliness that we see expressed in the Bible. That's why I like to go, I like to go back to Webster's dictionary that was written in sometime in the 1800s. And it, it actually expresses the heart of the Bible, what Bible teaches us about, about godliness. So let's read what Webster, who was a Christian godly man himself, how he defines, defines godliness. And don't worry, I just want to point out, don't worry if you don't get something at first or you don't get one definition. I'll be using several, multiple definitions throughout the message. So one way or the other, we all will get understanding. Okay? So Webster's Dictionary defines godliness as a careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties Proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands. Now I know it's quite a, quite a lot of words, but they're all very important. They have deep meaning. They're there for a reason. So I'm going to read it one more time. Godliness is a careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties. Proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands. So we have to pay attention that there's twofold, 
two, there are, uh, the, the godliness has two aspects to it. And they both have to go hand in hand. To be true godliness. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, unfortunately, we tend to focus on the careful observance of the laws and the religious duties, fulfilling our religious duties. We, we, most of us are good at that. You know, uh, busy working, doing stuff, you know. So, but we forget that whatever we do has to flow out, has to proceed out of, has to be motivated by our love and devotion for God, our reverential fear for God, and respect for his law, for his word. This, that part has to come first before our works kick in and, and can count to any good at all or be acceptable in God's sight, if you will. So those two have to go hand in hand. But unfortunately, we, uh, we tend, tend to make, to think that our works, our religious, or things that we do, our ministry, even the, our ministry is all that matters. You know, uh, I, that may shock some, but coming to church, going to church on a regular basis doesn't make you godly. It may, it may come as a shock, but reading the Bible on a daily basis and having your quiet time with God doesn't necessarily make you godly. Those are all good, good Christian disciplines, and, and don't get, get me twisted now. Please continue doing them. You know, so those are all good things, but they are not a goal in themselves. They are just tools given by God to lead us to godliness. Amen? But we tend to look at them as those things as goals in, in themselves. I went to, check, to, to church this Sunday. Check mark. I read my Bible for 10 minutes, check mark. I had my quiet time with God, triple check mark. I prayed for, for my co sick co-worker for five minutes, bonus brownie points. We like our check marks, right? uh, don't we? But, uh, and, and we think, I'm good. I got all these check marks, check mark, check mark. I'm good, I must be, I must be pleasing and acceptable in God's sight. Really? Are you serious? Think again. And don't blame me, okay? Don't blame me. Let's go and see what the Bible says about it, okay? Let's, let's, uh, because the Bible is our ultimate authority, in particular here at Foundation Church, amen? We'll preach the truth, we preach the truth, Without compromise, we won't sugarcoat for you. We'll tell you as it is. Amen. So let's read Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6. And Isaiah says, all of, our, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All of our righteous righteous acts or works are like filthy rags. But again, don't get me, don't get get it twisted. Okay, there is nothing wrong with works. We need works. We need righteous acts. But the point I'm trying to drive home that by themselves, works are not enough. There has to be something more to make them godly, to, to make us godly than our works. Amen? So that's the point I'm trying to, to get, drive home because we're all good at works. Most of us are good at works. We're busy in the Lord's work and, uh, and we're doing good at that part. But we're missing something. So, uh, so what, what, makes, uh, what makes the subject even more complicated and confusing for us is the fact that certain things can look godly. People can look godly, but not be godly. 
That's what can be, can be tricky and dece deceiving or com uh, complicated, but we need to know the difference between true godliness and the fake godliness, or what the Bible calls the form of godliness. You know, so let's read uh, 2 Timothy 3, 5. We are, uh, uh, Paul, Paul wants the young pastor, Timothy, that in the last days, many will be having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from, he says, from such people turn away, flee, don't, don't even associate, don't hang out with them. Um, but uh, but this is, this, you can have the form of godliness. You can look godly. And, and uh, most, uh, uh, most Christians, if you've been in church for any time, any period of time, in particular, you've been in church for a long time, over time, we all learn how to, how, to, uh, how to have that form of godliness, how to fit in. We know how to act in this church. We know how to act and what to wear and what not to wear in that church. You know, we all know how to fit in, how to look godly, how to look presentable to people, unacceptable to people. But that is fake godliness. You know, unfortunately, and that's so sad to me, that uh, new believers, when they come to Christ, when they get saved, instead of being discipled and taught how to grow to, in true godliness, how to, how, what's the process, and how to, how to reach out to, to, and grow into, into true godliness, they are just being left on, to fend for themselves. So what, what, what's, what's the baby Christian going to do? They are going to learn the ways, how to fit in, how to look, how to be accepted, how to look like a more mature Christian. But again, that's just the form of godliness. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of pretending. I'm good, like everybody of us, we, 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 we know how to put our Sunday face on, right? We know how to put our, like we know how to put our Sunday best, we know how to put our Sunday face on. If it was a your smile, God bless you, how are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. We know the Christianese, right? We know, we know all the good, nice praises, praise the Lord, hallelujah. It's all those are good, and, but they, we, are, we, are, we are trying to, get, you know, we are trying to, uh, to reach out for something more than that, than go through the motions that just, Coming to event, event or even uh, church and leaving the same. I don't know about you, but that doesn't satisfy me anymore. Amen. Godliness is not an event that you can come in, sit, and leave unchanged. It's, there's more to it. And that's what we are talking about today. All right, so not everything that looks godly is godly. Uh, and we need to know the difference. Okay, so uh, I, as, again, let's get back to let's get back to Webster's definition. And I want to remind, I'll keep reminding throughout the sermon, the twofold, the, the, the twofold meaning of godliness. The first one is our attitude, our devotion to God, our respect, our reverential fear for God and for God's word. That has to come first. And the second, out of all that our relationship and knowledge of God has to flow, flows our service and our works, our ministry, and everything else we do. Amen? So those two go in hand in hand. And the best example that comes to, from the Bible that comes to my mind is Enoch. Enoch, the friend of God, Enoch. I think the Enoch will probably... In my opinion, probably would have been one one of a few people who could sing "I'm a friend of God" with confidence, <laughs> because he walked with God. He actually walked with God. And uh, let's read what the Bible describes describes Enoch's life, because we don't know much about Enoch, but what we do know about him speaks volumes. And his life is summarized in Genesis five. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. 
And it says, <clears throat> excuse me. And it says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot, begot Methuselah. After, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. That's a long time. Unfortunately, we don't have that much time on, on our hands, but whatever we do, we need to use wisely. And the longer, uh, so when you walk with somebody, just think about it. If you hang out, with, walk with somebody, hang out with somebody on a regular basis, you'll develop deep understanding. You'll get to know that person. You'll get to know his heart, what he likes, what he does not like, what ticks him, what he pleases him, what, what makes him happy, what makes him angry. You know, you, 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 you learn, you learn when we hang out with God, when we walk with God on a daily, consistent basis, we'll learn all those things about God, how to please Him, what pleases Him, and, and how to please, what He expects of us, and um, what is His will for, for our lives, what is His purpose for our lives, what you know, what does he want us to do? How he wants us to do? All this, we have, such, we have so many questions, but that only God can answer. But we never go to the source and hang out with him and, and get to know him and let him speak into our lives. So that, that has to come first. That, that building, working with God, building relationship with God has to come first. Because the longer we walk with God, we get to know not only His love. Because again, the, in this modern church times, we, 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 know, we speak a lot and know a lot about God's love. But we forget about the fear of God. That's another forgotten virtue. You know, in the Western church, we, we really lack, if we have at all, any of fear of God. Yes, we don't have to be afraid of his wrath anymore because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But still, God is the same. He's the supreme being. He's the, the creator of the whole universe. He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the awesome, glorious, holy, majestic God of the universe. And he deserves respect. He respects our, our respect and our fear, the referential fear. Not fear of punishment, but reverential fear. Yeah. So he is highly to be praised and highly to be revered. Amen. So, uh, so we need to bring that back. And that only can happen only as we hang out with him, as we walk with him, as we get to know him. Uh, that's, that's the part of the relationship, building relationship, which doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and we need to invest that time on consistent basis throughout our lifetime as we, as, we, as, as we are talking about building our legacy. That's a part of, of that process. Amen. All right, so getting back. Uh, oh, and uh, I want to point out that, uh, that uh, our obedience, our obedience to God's word is directly uh, related to our to, to our relationship with God in the Bible. So because uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus uh, many, several times, at least several times and not more, uh, points out to us. Jesus says in uh, John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't, don't say that you love me. And again in Luke 6, 46, So why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do the things which I say. That's again a part of that form of godliness. When we, when we just worship him with the, with the lips of our mouth. But do not have our heart in it. You know. There is, there is no power, no substance. It's just 
nice words, nice sound, like symbols, which don't, you know, uh, so it's just, uh, again, again, you know, uh, please hear my heart, okay? I'm not, I'm speaking, preaching this, uh, first of all, for myself. So there's no condemnation, no judgment. I'm encouraged, trying to encourage myself first and foremost to godliness and use brothers and sisters, sisters to come along and so that we all would repent of things that, that's, that we are doing wrong and grow into true godliness. Amen. So, so th I know this is a tough word, and, and, but it's for our good. It's for our healing. It's for our deliverance. It's for our growth. So we, if we accept it, and if we apply this word, we'll be, all will be better off. Amen? Amen. So, so to respect God, or to fear Him, or to, to, to have the reverential fear for God, to respect God, means to respect His word, and obey His word. If we don't do that, we cannot say that we love God, nor that we fear God, because we don't. Either he is Lord or he is not. And Lord, again, another, another lost, lost meaning in, in our democratic society. We, we don't understand what Lord means. But Lord means a master. What master says, it goes. There's no argument, no uh, discussion about it. If he, master commands... And the servant does. As simple as that. We, for some reason, take God's commandments as if they are suggestions. As if they are optional. As if they, that's something we can do if we like it. As if it's something that we can do if it's convenient for us. If we have time for it. And so on and so forth. But that's not, the mean, that's not the biblical meaning of it. Commandment is commandment. And we need to obey God's commandment because he is God and we are not. Amen. So, so, uh, uh, all right, so back to Enoch. In the, in, the, in the passage that we just read in Genesis, we learned that he walked with, with God. On consistent basis for many, many years, he walked with God. And through that walking with God, he developed a relationship with God. So that's one first part. But then the other time we, we, Enoch is mentioned in the Bible, we find him in the New Testament, in the Hall of Fame, in Hebrews 11. And we read in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 5, we read, By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. That, this was his testimony, his legacy, that he pleased God. So he had both the relationship with God. He had the heart for God. He developed love, love, love and respect for God through, through his walking with, with him on the consistent basis. And after that, he did something that pleased God. We don't know exactly what he did, but the, does, that doesn't matter. Because he, I really actually do appreciate that the Bible doesn't specify what exactly pleased God, because that doesn't matter. You know, his, whatever he did pleased God. That's the same. If you all, our all lives, lives are different. We don't do different things. But if we please, learn to please God, you know, that's what matters. Okay, so that's the, that Enoch is a good example of that twofold meaning of godliness. That, that we, we need to fall in love with God through our relationship with God to learn to respect Him and obey Him, and then we go and do what pleases Him. Amen. So, another, uh, so that was one of the definitions I came across that I really I think expresses the biblical meaning of godliness. But the, the other great definition that I came across was by modern-day pastor Tony Evans. You may, not, may be familiar with him. This definition expresses the same twofold concept of godliness, but in a different, different, different way, 
different words and maybe it will be simpler to understand and to remember. So Tony Evans defines godliness as a lifestyle that consistently reflects God's character. As simple as that. A lifestyle that consistently reflects God's character. So this is very important. The godliness is not an event. It's not a 10.30 to 12.30 Sunday church service. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not once a week or, or once a month something we do. But it's a lifestyle. It's 24-7 Sunday through, uh, through Saturday. All week, all, the, all month, all year, all life. Lifetime event. Or something, a lifestyle. Something we do. Some, but again, as we, 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 we have to realize that lifestyle doesn't happen. Uh, uh, <laughs> doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen is, uh, uh, easily. It, it is developed. It is built. Habits are being put in place over time. So it takes some work to do it, and we are going to, going to, going to discuss here in a second. Uh, so, but uh, that, that, that when you think about on these all subjects, like the way Enoch walked with God, the way the consistent lifestyle, uh, lifestyle 24-7, living, being godly 24-7, it may sound like a tall order, even an impossible task, right? But, but, but 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 it is it is not god god will never command us or expect out of us anything that that we cannot do anything that he didn't enable us in the first place amen so um so we we have we have both the capacity and ability and everything else that we need um we need and first of all we have jesus christ that's why we needed Jesus Christ in the first place. He's not only our Savior. He's the life, the, the way, the truth, and the life. He is everything that we need. He's the answer to all of our life's needs and problems. And to the, uh, he's the answer to our need for godliness. So, uh, if you've been curious, curious to... Uh, I've gave you all these de the definitions by by our contemporaries or hum uh, other brothers and sisters. But if you've been curious to hear how the Bible defines godliness, would you like to hear the biblical definition of godliness? Amen. Let's let's read. Let's read First Timothy three sixteen. Three, Timothy 3.16 talks first about mystery of godliness and then disperses, dis, explains the mystery and there's no mystery anymore. It uh, says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. And all that's speaking about Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what godliness is, we, we don't, don't need to look any further than Jesus Christ. He is godliness. He is our example to follow. You know, so, so Jesus Christ is godliness. He's our model. He's our example. He was our inspiration. He left. He, he showed it how, to be, how it's done. And uh, he, he, he exemplified. He exemplified godliness. Through, both through his lifestyle and through his service and ministry. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, so I, I, made, I, made it, I made it even more harder, right? First of, first of all, lifestyle or working with God, uh, serving God. Like, like Enoch, we, we, may, we may consider that. Then the 24-7 lifestyle, uh, that's tall order. But now, be like Christ. Be exactly like Christ. That's, that's, that goes above our head, right? But uh, what, what, what comforts me to know that that's our purpose? Uh, God's 
God predestined us for that. Godliness is our destiny. That's deep, and we need to grasp the truth. Let's take a uh, let's read one of the most favorite and well-known passages in Romans 8, uh, verses 28 through 29. And I think Pastor already somewhat uh, um, uh, mentioned this verse uh, in the beginning of the service. Uh, Romans 8, 28 through 29 reads, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And all Christians, I'm, I'm uh, probably will say confident, all, if not majority of Christians know this word, they've memorized it, love to quote this verse, but we usually stop right there. All things work together for good. You know, we love that. But, but why do they work? Why God makes all those things work for good? It says, unto, according to his purpose. Oh, because we are called according to his purpose. What purpose that is? Aren't you curious to know what is God's purpose? And why, what, what he is doing while working all those things out in our lives? What he's trying to achieve? I'm interested to know. So let's continue reading instead of stopping right there. So verse 29 says, explains what that purpose is. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, conformed to become identical, to be, become just like, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be that firstborn among many brethren. So that, if you ever uh, wondered what's, I hear a lot of times people asking, what's my purpose? What's God's purpose for my life? Here it is. Underline, memorize, know it. That's your ultimate purpose. To be conformed, to become just like Christ. Everything God does in our lives, that's what he's trying to pull out of it, of us. That's what he's trying to transform us into. To make us just like Christ. Amen? So that's, that's God's purpose. And that's our destiny. So again, just remember, God predestined us before any of us were born. Before the creation of the world. God put this destiny into us. He decided, God Almighty decided that Gene will become just like Christ. He has decided that Abigail will become just like Christ. That's each of our destiny. And that comforts me. Because I know if God predestined me for godliness, he is going to fulfill it. He is going to make it happen. He enabled. He, he provided. He equipped me. He made it possible. Because uh, let's read... Uh, uh, because God never, God never expels out of us anything that we, we that, that would be wise, that would be a loving father to expect out of the child something that he knows the child is not capable of doing. That doesn't make any sense. You know, so, so God, our God is wise, good, good father. Yeah, so, and so he definitely wouldn't do that to us. So let's read, uh, let's read, uh, what Peter says in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our, our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things, not just some things, not one or two things, but He has given all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us everything that we need to attain godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, including his own divine nature. So he has imparted into us the seed of godliness, his own godliness. Okay, that sounds good, right? 
But you may ask, why I don't feel godly? Why I don't see, why I see so many ungodly Christians? Why I don't see more godliness around me? Well, <laughs> there, is, there is more to it, apparently, obviously. So, um, so, uh, so as the baby Christian, when the baby is born into this world, it's, it's fully human, right? But it still needs to develop. It needs to grow. It needs to learn things. It needs to, to learn to walk, to move, to do things, to read. You know, it, it, there's a growth process. There are things that parents can help. Parents can impart wisdom. Parents can help along. Parents can provide with finances, food, clothes. But the baby eventually will have to move, put one foot in front of the other, and start doing something on its own. If you are a wise parent, no matter how much you love your child, you will not do everything for your child. You understand that otherwise they will never grow. So God is our wise parent. He, uh, he did his part. He said, I provide, I, I saved you, I, I sacrificed my own son for you. I imparted my divine, des- divine uh, nature into you. I gave you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I gave you the instruction manual, the Bible, the GPS for life. I gave you the best coach that, that the universe has. In the form of the Holy Spirit. I send you Holy Spirit to live with you. To help you. To encourage you. To lead you into all the truth. To reveal things for you that you don't know. But there is a part we need to play. There is a part. But now it's up to us as God's children. To take the thing that we know. To take the thing that God has equipped us with. And put our one foot in front of the other and put it into practice. So we know a lot of things. We, we all know a lot of things. But, and I know a lot of things. But also, honestly, I know that I don't do all the things that I know to do, unfortunately. I'm just being honest, you know. So, but, but, but it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be so. So, uh, so if we, if, we, if we want to grow in godliness, there is our part to play. So you, so you, you, may, so you may ask, how, how does it practically look? And I'm trying to uh, land the plane. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't have the clock, so I don't know how much time I have. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, how does it practically look? How do we practically attain godliness what do we need to to do to be to do what well, how does it all work how do we become godly so that that brings us back to our foundational text so we learned what god did we learned what what god did did all he was gonna do and he left the ball in our court so now let's see what is our our part to play what what do we need to do to become godly? So let's get back to our foundational scripture in First Timothy, uh, and I'll read only the verses four, uh, chapter four, verses seven through nine. It says, "Whether reject profane and old wise fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise." Of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So, so that's our answer. Exercise. I don't know about you. I don't like to exercise. But I know I need to exercise. So again, that comes to those things of knowing. We know a lot of things, but doing is another story, right? But without... No theory. Theorists usually, no matter how, how correct, how true, how accurate theory is, it usually does, doesn't do any good until, uh, unless it's put into practice. Right? So, so uh, we understand that in the natural, 
in the natural, we understand how things work in the natural, right? Nobody in their right mind would expect to wake up one day, look in the mirror, oh, Mrs. Olympia or Mr. Olympia, you know, bodybuilder, out of nowhere, manifested. Miracle. Nobody in the right mind would expect that, right? It's called bodybuilding for a reason. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes, it takes strenuous, hard work exercising all the muscles, building them, lifting weights, doing whatever else, exercises, diet, nutrition, vitamins, a lot of things, perseverance, discipline, a lot of time. A lot of effort. It takes a lot of things. It doesn't happen without us lifting a finger. Right? It's logical. We all understand it. That that's how it works in, in, in the physical. But for whatever silly reason, I don't know why, when it comes to spiritual things, we for some reason th think that it's going to happen miraculously. One day, I'll wake up Jesus Christ, without me lifting a finger. Newsflash, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Neither in this life, nor, well, in, well, eventually we'll be all like Jesus Christ, but in this life, not, let's say, let's put it that way, not going to happen. You know, so, uh, so for whatever reason we have that as believers, we, we I don't know where that concept is coming from, but we sit on our tukasis, if you will, you know, and expect a miracle to happen. Expect our transformation to happen some, some, somehow, some way, someday, you know, but it's not going to happen. There is our part to play. Amen. So, uh, uh, so I do real, I don't know where we are getting that, but uh, apparently the believers in Paul's day also had the same misconception. Because Paul obviously had to break it down to make it plain and simple, to, to, to explain the same exact principles, exactly the same principles that we apply to our bodily, physical exercise, the same principles apply to our spiritual exercise. So the same effort, if not greater, I would say even greater effort, hard work, Perseverance, discipline, patience, you name it. It's all needed. Consistency, probably one of, one of the key ingredients. Consistency, diligent exercising. Those all are needed if we ever want to become godly. If you, that's what exercising unto godliness is, means. So, uh, so we need... Uh, so another parallel I want to, to make... Uh, with the bodily exercise, is our capacity. We all, as long as we can move a muscle, if you can move a muscle, you can exercise, right? We all, uh, uh, even the most, uh, most out-of-shape ones, <laughs> I'm pointing to myself, even most out-of-shape ones can exercise. Now, I may not be able to run the marathon like Pastor Gary, but thank God I can walk. Amen? So we'll do whatever you can do, but we all we can exercise. And if I would walk on consistent basis, eventually I would be able to run. You know, and if I would keep, 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 keep running, eventually I would be able to, 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 to run a marathon. So we do all understand that that's what it takes. We do understand that if we would change our diets, if we start exercising, if we would just put effort and time into it, we all would be healthier at the end. But underst again, understanding and doing is two different stories. Amen? So we need not only to understand, but to do, to put it into practice, to apply it, because only then we'll be better off and grow unto godliness. Amen? All right, so, so that's, 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 uh, that's, that's, that's the main point, probably, how, how, what I wanted to drive, drive home, that there is our part to play. 
We need, we need to uh, spend time with God. Again, I'm bringing it back to the two, two aspects of godliness. We need to, you know, there's our part to play in both of those aspects. First of all, we need to spend time like Enoch, working with God, getting to know God, falling in love with God, uh, uh, growing in our fear and respect for God and His Word, and growing in our obedience to, to His to, to obedience to His commandments, taking them as commandments instead of suggestions, and obeying them. As simple as that. It sounds simple, but and we all know know these things. But again, the doing part comes has to come into place if we want to grow in godliness. Amen. So, uh, so in summary, we all have been in part in divine nature. We have the God's ability. We have everything we need to grow in godliness. But it's now up to us to exercise. We have the seed of godliness. God put us. God has put us. In, uh, equipped us. Put a, uh, dressed us in the gear. <laughs> he dressed us, gave us the top gear. You know, all top spiritual athletic gear that you can think of. Amen. So he put us on the track of for, on, on the track of success. He gave us everything we need to succeed. He gave us Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit, His Word, His instruction, His strength. And we're saying today that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if we just put our foot, put an effort into it, and keep on walking consistently, Consistently, on the daily basis, not just Sunday after Sunday, 10.30 from to 12.30, but you can do it. make an effort to develop a lifestyle where godliness, not just something we do, but something we are. To the point where if we keep exercising, it will become who we are. But godliness will become effortless because that's what will be. That will be our nature. Like, like godliness is God's nature. Amen. But again, that doesn't happen overnight. It takes practice and exercising and instilling those uh, spiritual disciplines and habits and developing the lifestyle of godliness. Amen. So, uh, so I'll conclude with, the, with this. Uh, encouragement that uh, Paul encourages Timothy says, but you, O man of God, flee this thing and pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. So these things, it, it again is action word. We need to pursue the, the, the things of God, to hunger for them, to seek them, to, to strive for them. That's, that's what pursue means, to chase after that. To, first of all, to chase after God and to, uh, after God, God himself. And uh, to, to, to hunger for him. You know, and if we, if we do those things that, that it's our part to do, we'll see godliness manifested in our lives. And at the end of our lives, we will leave the legacy of godliness. Amen. All right, so if you receive this word, please give, a, give, give God a, a hand of praise. Amen.